Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving non stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their Sup, y'all? Welcome on into the GoVols 24-7 podcast here on GoVols247.com and everywhere else on the internet. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Going to be joined here by Patrick Brown from his undisclosed location. Going to get over to uh, Ben McKee down there at his uh, unnamed home studio. And we got a big, big, big topic to discuss today. I apologize we're just getting to it now, but... Uh, that's that's just how it goes sometimes. Lots of stuff going on today. It's a big, big day, guys. Uh, the, the butcher's bill has come from the NCAA. Tennessee has been given uh, not a bull ban, which is, I think, the most important news of the day, but was fined a significant amount of money, reduced scholarships, uh, reduced visits, etc. We'll get to the details on all of that in just a second. Uh, but the big headline here is Tennessee punished no postseason ban. I think that is that is the biggest thing on the topic. But I guess before we do all that, fellas, uh, how are we? How are we doing today? Good, tired. It's been a lot of riding today. I am I am well. I I am much more well than Patrick Brown, who is probably welcome back from vacation, Ben. Here's here's the Friday news dump. I went on vacation this week. That's true. Well, <laughs> I, I, you, that, you that went on a cruise in the Major League Baseball draft. You made your own choices. Yeah, that that, was... th- this is this is correct. I, I did make my own choices. I I am a maniac, and uh, the the next time my wife and I book a cruise, we will uh, we will communicate better on on when to book said cruise. But no, it, it was good. But my I, I'm doing well, Wes, because my mind is not puzzled and all discombobulated after reading all of the data and information that patrick brown read today yeah it it was a it was a lot of stuff and and pat i i've been away for a decent chunk of the day because that's just how it went uh uh, my son's got the croup my wife was away because my mother-in-law is having had had like eye surgery today all kinds of things happening just kind of made it one of those days it was sort of a a day from hell in that regard so uh pat had to shoulder uh and the other guys all had to shoulder more of the burden in my absence and i'm sorry for that but pat because of that you have been uh, dabbling in this thing twice or thrice as hard as you would have anyway so what what have you noticed uh with all this what's the give us like the big picture from your opinion and then like the sort of the minutiae after that well i wes and ben i think the the biggest thing is that tennessee didn't get a bull ban and um i i think that was something that a lot of us heard over the course of the last two and a half years i mean this goes back to november of 2020 this is when uh tennessee and uh donny plowman's office was first tipped off about some shady stuff going on in, in the uh in the football program and uh some of the stuff that the ncaa released on friday was kind of already known but basically jeremy pruitt and his staff were running a a, a visit scheme for two years uh, where unofficial visits were being paid for, um, and they continued to host players even during the COVID pandemic um, when when it was a dead period. The NCAA said no in-person recruiting, and, and they had, I think, six different recruits on campus nine different times. So, uh, And then you had instances of, of the Pruitts, Jeremy and his wife Casey, giving cash to players. I, I, some of that stuff was new, uh, was not news, but um, the, the big takeaway is that uh, this case – rose to the level of uh, in the NCAA NCAA's eyes that that Tennessee should have gotten a bowl ban um, yep. that that's sort of where they they classified this case a level one standard case and uh, and Tennessee had to fight for uh, to, to prevent that I, I think Tennessee was always holding out 
um, throughout the process that that wouldn't be the case, that they wouldn't, uh, that the NCAA wouldn't punish players and, and coaches who were not here when all of this went down. Um, and, and Tennessee tried to reach a negotiated resolution and that didn't have a bull ban, but ultimately they had to go to a hearing to, to sort of show why that needed to be the case. And uh, I think the NCAA split the difference by giving Tennessee the biggest fine a, a committee on infractions panel has ever given out an $8 million. It's actually going to be a little bit more than that because yeah. um, there's some basic um, fines that have to be levied in these situations. But that that's the big thing. That's why this is a win for Tennessee. And that's why you know I've seen a lot of comments on our message board, maybe some on Twitter where people are wondering, well, why in the heck did Tennessee cooperate? They got hammered. They lose this many scholarships, this many recruiting visits, all, all that stuff. There's home games they can't have recruits at. Um, the The main thing is that if you would have gotten a bowl ban out of this, your program, all the, all the goodwill you've built up over the last years would have been completely torpedoed. So, um, and, and that's why Tennessee and its and its statements and, and Josh Heupel and some of his comments on, on the Fine Bombs show that that Ben wrote on uh, expressed gratitude and, and sort of relief to have this behind them because. Uh, obviously, this has been drawn out for going on nearly three years. So uh, I think that's the big thing. That's the big takeaway. Obviously, the fine is pretty big, but not really because that's jump change in this day and age of college athletics. Um, and, and and I guess, you know, Jeremy Pruitt gets a six-year show cause. We knew he was going to get a pretty hefty one. Um, so uh, I, I think overall, this is probably the best that, that Tennessee could ask for. I know some people will disagree. I know some people will say next time this happens, Tennessee should just say, screw the NCAA. But uh, in this situation, what Tennessee did in terms of firing everybody, self-imposing things, basically looping the NCAA into the investigation two weeks into it, uh, ultimately paid off because now your program can move forward and, and continue on its rise under Josh Heupel and, and, and going into the season. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on that, Pat, for sure, because I, I, I think it really surprised me. If I'm being honest, it, it, it surprised me because, again, as I explained earlier, I was kind of in and out of the loop for different parts of the day for different reasons. And, and, and I saw a lot of people were saying they were just furious, like Tennessee fans and, and, and people were just saying they were furious with this decision. And I also saw uh, some, some of our colleagues in the media say that they don't know why Tennessee put up a fight if this is going to be the result. And, and, and I'm thinking, guys, like, have y'all really read this? Like, do you understand exactly what's happening here? $9 million is what it'll probably end up being thereabouts is nothing that's a drop of water in a bucket compared to the fallout of potentially having a postseason ban that takes first off you're you're you're, you're taking revenue splitting away and, and and beyond all that you're talking about a domino effect where guys will leave your program they absolutely will they will leave your program and go somewhere else and all this work you've done to put this roster together you set your if Hypel has taken three or four steps forward already, this is like at least three or four, maybe five steps back if you have to do this. And then you're kind of kneecapping Hypel's tenure. If that case happens, you know, is he going to be as eager to stay around or is he going to be, you know, will he get fired maybe because the results aren't as good as they should be when in fact he's done a really good job? Like, like there are so many things, and I don't believe in operating from fear. But I do believe in operating from a real world perspective. And we can talk about this later, guys. But like the stuff that's alleged in here, it's not like, you know, a, a, a murder, cover up murder. You're not, you know, no, like serious academic stuff. There's no like, you know, harm against women. There, there's none of this like horrible, mo- like moral stuff in this. But like ethically, by the letter of the law with the NCAA, this was absolutely. A, a bannable offense. This was absolutely a postseason ban. This was uh, one committee person said unprecedented since they've in their time looking at committee on infractions cases. I mean, the, the, consider that language, guys. Like Ben, I mean, that's serious language. I don't. I just don't understand at all why why there are some people who think Tennessee should have gotten better out of this. I think Tennessee won this battle. If I'm being honest, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy how reckless. Uh, the, the the former staff was and those who were involved in the scheme. I mean, it, it was quite frankly, it was idiotic and, and moronic how they were handling business and, and going about things. So uh, I, I completely agree with everything that you just said, Wes. And obviously I agree with what Pat said as well. My, my two biggest takeaways is that a, 
Tennessee avoided a postseason bowl ban slash Tennessee made the right decision to kind of bow the knee at at the feet of the NCAA. Like those two things coincide uh, to me in terms of Tennessee cooperating uh, and not receiving a postseason ban. We saw that today in the, I guess it was a media availability with one of the members of, of the infractions case. It was, Patrick the, it was the chair of the panel. She basically straight up said if Tennessee didn't cooperate, they would have gotten a postseason ban. Correct. And, and that was, in my opinion, goal number one with this whole ordeal. The last two and a half, three years from the jump, Okay, maybe yes, th- this was used to 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 fire Jeremy Pruitt uh, because of on field success. I, I don't I don't think there's any beating around the bush there. I, I certainly think Tennessee was ready to move on from Jeremy Pruitt, but I also think part of the reason that Tennessee was ready to move on from Pruitt and, and partly what led to uh, the mess that Jeremy created uh, was the fact that so many people understood that he he was not handling business behind the scenes the way that he should have been handling business and and not in the sense of um you know people knew exactly that that he was cheating or or how he was cheating or or things along that that nature but like people a lot of people were saying a lot of things about Jeremy Pruitt when he was the head coach here and and, and not in a great way uh, and he didn't have many great interactions with, with people across campus, in the football facility, uh, across town, within the community. And like it, 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 it served as a direct correlation to on, on-field success. He, he was not ready for this head coaching job, which is pretty crazy because I think he's a, a terrific X's and O's um, football coach. Uh, and he has a, a terrific resume, so it's it's pretty mind-boggling to me that he wasn't prepared for this job. But, I mean, he was immature in, in a sense and, and just really didn't act like an adult when he was a head coach here. And, and that that's why a lot of people at Tennessee, I think, wanted to go ahead and move on from him on the field and use this as a, as a scapegoat reason of sorts. So we're not going to ignore that fact but aside from the football aspect of things the number one goal has been to avoid a postseason ban and Tennessee did that because of how it cooperated with the NCAA I mean we in this state of Tennessee we just saw firsthand what within within the last year year and a half uh Memphis and Penny Hardaway they gave the middle finger to the NCAA and, and they got punished more harshly than than Tennessee did and not that Tennessee necessarily got off lightly. They've, they've had to deal with this dark cloud. Uh, there is a scholar, scholarship limitation. Now, the good thing for Tennessee is that after this season, they only have like 12 or 8. Patrick knows better off the top it, of his head. It, it's going to be they, – they, it, it's 28 in total. Uh, yes. Tennessee reduced 12 and 21. I think it was four last season. Um, and I think they're going to do two yes, this season. It'll be it'll be eighteen that they've already self-imposed after and, this and year. And so, when you're reading through some of these recruiting restrictions on visits, home games, you can't have recruits, evaluation days. In, in total, it looks like a lot. But Tennessee gets to back count what they've already self-imposed, yes. and they have five years over which to spread this out. So, really, it's minor when you look at it that way. Like you're not going to notice a difference in Tennessee having eighty-five scholarship players versus. 82 or even 80 so uh yeah go on yes but like that that is a serious punishment over the course of time 26 fewer scholarships i'm not dismissing that and and you know west pointed out the fine and and that is chump change to tennessee there's no doubt about that but it is still uh one of the highest ever fines in this realm if not the highest fine ever, it's, it's a uh, lot of money. It like it, it, it's enough to make even a place like Tennessee kind of eh, a little bit. Like yes. it's it's enough to hurt. Yes, one thousand percent. So, and and honestly, the the bigger issue has just been the dark cloud hanging over the program. I, I think that's been the biggest punishment. Uh, there there are recruits who did not come to Tennessee because other other schools were telling them that Tennessee was going to receive this three, four, five, six-year postseason ban. I talked to recruits on the phone when they were visiting Tennessee, and and they just flat out said, like, I, you know, I really like Josh Heupel. I like his coaching staff. I like the culture. 
I just don't know if I can go to Tennessee because I don't know what their future holds because of the NCAA investigation. Teams were negatively recruiting them at a high rate, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of people assume, but that was an accurate assumption. So uh, I, I those were my two biggest takeaways. It's just that, A, Tennessee was absolutely in the right for – you know, bending the knee to the NCAA as much pride as you have to suck up <laughs> as, as the university and, and, and even fans, I, I think like that was the correct decision. I mean, the head of the committee said it today, like Tennessee gets a postseason ban if they don't bend the knee. They did that. Donnie Plowman, Randy Boyd, Danny White, all three of them and, and so many more people as well deserve so much credit for playing this absolutely perfectly. I, I don't think the three of them just leading leading the charge could have played it more perfectly. And then B just the fact that Josh Heupel and, and the program, the, the people who were not involved and the people who are now leading this football program, they now get to operate without this dark cloud hanging over them. And I think if you're a Tennessee fan, that has to really excite you because look at what all they've accomplished on the field and on the recruiting trail with this dark cloud hanging over their head. What are they going to be able to do without the dark cloud hanging over their head? Yeah, there's. A- I think. I think the the other what if here is is what if Tennessee had just buried buried the investigation, never let it see the light of day, and then just fired him and paid him his buyout because they were three and seven. It would have been justified. Philip Fulmer did not want to, though. I think that should be noted at the time. You know, even with the three and seven record, and they lost six games in a row and were terrible on offense, and it was unwatchable football, but. Um, it's easy to say that in hindsight, but at the same time, you know, if you had tried to bury it and then it gets out, then you're, you're potentially looking at an even bigger situation, right? I mean, if that's, uh, just Tennessee burying it once they knew about it and saying, oh, we're, we're just going to bury this and then they're going to, they're going to fire them and, and change, you know, clean house. Who, who's to say somebody at Tennessee doesn't speak up and then you have an NCAA investigation that you didn't start and that you weren't doing it internally. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I've seen that take out there too. And I don't, I don't know that I agree with that either because, um, you know, just burying it and, and firing him and paying him his buyout would have been costly, but it, uh, it still may have not prevented this potentially uh, or prevented an NCA investigation, which, um, uh, you know, I, I think that that's maybe a little bit short sighted to think that that would have just been like, you know, one clean cut, Pruitt's gone, no investigation, you go on and wouldn't do whatever. So, but yeah, I think yeah. who I think whoever made that argument, I I think people who are making that argument, the one that that Pat just mentioned, I, I I think anyone making that argument, I think is someone who is a little bit naive to the fact that this is not a place historically where things go unnoticed or unmentioned. Like this is not a place where there's places in the college athletics realm, smaller pockets, or even big programs that are in some smaller areas where uh, things have a way of getting a little bit more swept under the rug. This is not a place, this is not an area where you see that a lot. Like, it either comes out fairly quickly or, like, not that long after that. Like, there's, there's, um, do we know everything? No, God, of course we don't. But I would think that of all the major programs around, like this is one that's definitely toward the higher end of like harder to keep a secret. I, I just don't yeah, think they and, could have buried it here. And even then, I mean, if, if a co- one of those assistant coaches that maybe wasn't involved, if he ends up losing his job because of this. He, you know, he spouts off to the NCAA and say he's going to give that guy immunity to spill the beans. Right. I mean, yeah. there's no that's, question. That's the scenario you're looking at there. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of things, um, that I want to talk about in the second segment, uh, a couple things, maybe a, a a reflection on just everything that Heupel and his staff have done, knowing now what we know about just everything that was in this and how much more that puts into perspective what they've done, despite some of the things they've already taken, the punishments, the the, the things that, that cascade from that, all those other things. And, and also want to talk about sort of what, what can happen with the program moving forward now that this cloud is, you know, lifted. But, but before we do that, I, I, I think, I think I'd be remiss. I think we'd all probably be remiss if we didn't mention a little bit about the fact of, of what was happening at the time. And, and, and I say this in all candor as someone who I, I know Jeremy Pruitt didn't have like a 
tremendous amount of allies when he was here. Uh, I liked Jeremy Pruitt, and to this day, I like Jeremy Pruitt. Like, if he called me right now, we'd probably have a conversation on the phone, and it would be a, a mostly pleasant one. I liked the guy. He was he, he was always at least honest with me. Like, he, he just was, even when things weren't comfortable uh, about things. So so I it, it brings me no pleasure to, to say this, what I'm about to say. It, it, it's not like a happy to stick the knife in someone who's gone. Like, I still have some respect for the guy as a football coach and I, I like the guy. So I think with that said, you know, this is like that season where, where people commit and they, they say a whole bunch of nice stuff and then they go with that said, here's the other thing. So with that said, the brazenness with which this was conducted baffles me. Like how they thought, that they could do this and it would just be okay. Well, the, the cynical take to that is how brazen is it? He came from Alabama. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or, or, or just how much like, did he not know like from the top, whoever orchestrated it? Like there are some things that you need to do. Like you can't just do the things. You also have to do other things to make sure these things don't become problems. Well, but, but like I, the number of people who were in on this, the, the fact that some of them multiple of them, at least a few, were, were not using burner phones to conduct this business. Like, very, very basic things. Like, I'm not trying to tell anyone how to run a criminal enterprise here or to run afoul of the law, but here's a couple of basic things. Keep your circle small. If you don't need to know, you don't know. That's one. Number two, burner phones and no emails. Period dot, end of sentence, end of story, like basic things. The fact that they did all of this and so many people knew at least a little bit about it and they were brazen enough to just or ignorant enough to not cover their tracks at least a little better baffles me, guys. It baffles me. Well, I I think this, I think it got too big. I I think there probably at the beginning was maybe a small circle of, of staffers that were involved in basically paying for unofficial visits. I mean, they had a system where they would arrange things and, and they'd send us a, a, a staffer, sometimes a student staffer over to a hotel and, and pay for uh, the hotel arrangements for a, 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 a recruit and his family. And then for, you know, rep for meals and, and other things, they'd, they'd tell the business to hold the receipt and they'd come by and pay it in cash afterwards. I mean, they had a system. Um, and this was going on for two years and it went on during the dead period when they weren't supposed to have anybody on campus at all. So, um, I, and I do think as it went on, it just got sloppy. Um, you know, Adam Sparks, the Knoxville News Sentinel, you know, they, they foiled some, you know, some text messages from, from, uh, some of the involved people. And, you know, there was some, one of the staffers was complaining that the coaches were bringing in players and they didn't know. So it just kind of got out of control just and it craziness. was craziness. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was sloppy and um yeah it only ran up sixty thousand dollars in in stuff and um but there were over 200 instances of impermissible benefits of of a lot of minor ones but uh they led to 18 you know major violations um you know there were several staffers that were hit with unethical conduct for not necessarily cooperating as much after the fact in the investigation um it is interesting that this all starts when someone goes to the chancellor and says, Hey, I heard this in the, in the program, uh, that suggests that you weren't very looked at, looked at very well. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was brought up today was that there was a, a staffer that didn't report anything out of fear of retaliation. I mean, there were a lot of young people just trying to probably get into the business of being in a football program sure. that were probably involved in this. And, you know, they're not going to want to speak up cause they're not want to get, you know, at least an ass chewing or at worst, you know, not allowed to recruit right. anymore. So, or not allowed to, to work at tennis, you know, work in the football program anymore. So, um, and, and on top of all those things, even if Pruitt had some plausible deniability with the scheme that his recruiting department and a couple of assistant coaches were running, he still gave cash to a, two players' moms. He and his wife were arranging car payments and medical bills. And, um, uh, what was the other one? A down payment on a uh, car, rental house, you know, getting the hook, getting a player's mom hooked up with a real estate agent, all these things, you know, so it's not like he was completely hands off in this situation either. He, he might say that he's just trying to help a, a player out, but 
still against and, the rules. And he might so. mean that. Knowing the guy, he might mean that, Pat. Right. I mean, you know, that's you know that that's either here or there. But um, I mean, you run up. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of it. You run up over two more than two hundred infractions. I think involved like thirty nine players. I mean, there were sixteen players that played for Tennessee that were involved in all this. Yeah. Um, and so that's why Tennessee is having to vacate every win from the 2019 and 2020 season. So officially at some point, Pruitt's record is going to be five and 19. Um, he still, <laughs> he still has, he still has the win against Auburn in 2018. That's, that's the peak right there. So, and, and, and that halftime lead against Georgia and Athens. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think you vacate a halftime lead, Ben, but, uh, <laughs> well, it, that, that game's going to remember it for his, uh, interesting, uh, use of how to wear a mask. Um, oh, that's going to be what that's remembered for an all timer. That's a one More. shining moment moment if there ever was. But but I think I, I think that you know the detail of the investigation shows kind of what Ben talked about, where he just you know Pruitt just was not ready for for having to oversee an entire program and know what your your coaches and your staffers are doing, and and, and he probably thought there were things that you know maybe were like you said, West things that. You could probably get away with some places that you're not going to get away with at, at other places. Yes. So, um, you know, that, that probably all contributes to the scope. And, um, you know, as you touched on earlier, Wes, this, you know, this was a big case. I mean, this was, you know, egregious. You know, you, you can go back to January of 21 when Donnie Plowman says they, you know, the what they found in just a couple of months was shocking. Yeah. Um, and so, but, um, you know, Tennessee, you know, they did a lot of things early on getting phones they had a compliance department you know compliance person go to hotels and go to businesses to get the receipts and and they helped form a a full record that showed what all went on now the risk that we touched on was they're going to think this you know they're going to get you with lack of institutional control yada 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 but ultimately uh tennessee's actions help get you know help them get out of this without more damage but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was a lot now, $60,000 might sound, might not sound like much, you know, there's probably cases where more money changed hands and, um, I'm not, you know, I don't want to name any names, sure, Cam Newton, but, 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 but it's the sloppiness <laughs> of it. Like it's the sloppiness. Right. Like we all know this I, stuff happens. Everyone knows. Right. It's one thing if you're cheating, happens. it's, it's not cheating if you don't get caught. Right. Yes. Right. And, and Wes, to, to your point, like it's, it's surprising how moronic their operation was, but it's also not surprising in hindsight, knowing how Jeremy Pruitt operated as head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. It's a little think, surprising to me, not like shocking, but it's a little surprising to me that just to this depth. It, it's not at all surprising to me, uh, just because I, I think all of us heard uh, just how absurd uh, some of the ways he handled business on a day-to-day basis was whether it was interactions uh, with the with a recruit, whether it was interactions with with a recruit's parents, uh, staffers on on campus, uh, things of that nature. Like it, it wasn't all sunshine and and roses. Do do I think Jeremy Pruitt is, is a bad person? No, I do not. Uh, I I think he has a a good heart. Uh, he very at, much at does heart, for his guys. He he does at the heart of things, but he can also be a a grade A. You know what? Uh, the, it, it's it's kind of weird how he plays both roles. To be honest with you, uh, I mean one one of the, I mean part of what got him in trouble. I mean he was trying to help one of his players out uh, who whose mom was was dealing with cancer treatments. Quite frankly, I mean like there there was some some good and in, intended nature behind some of what was going on but there are also plenty of stories and and more bad that outweighed the good of of him being more of a a grade a you know what and not treating people the way that they deserve to be treated and and i i mean i talked about it earlier just just knowing at the time and and hearing stories at at the time of of how he was operating on a day-to-day basis And, and yes i heard the good things as as well the, the story that I just referenced about the mom who, who was dealing with cancer. And, and then obviously the, the Jeremy Banks storyline is, is a very, very public one. And uh, he, I mean, he has named his children. Oh, after former Alabama players that he was very, very tight with, like, I don't, I don't want to make him seem like the, the devil or anything, but 
also knowing how moronic he acted on a on a day-to-day basis in so many ways and and like you were hearing those stories in real time like none of these none of what is coming out is surprising to me uh simply put uh and and i i think it's good on the ncaa for punishing him more so than punishing tennessee no the 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 things happening is not a surprise to me the the lack of being able to even remotely cover the tracks is what surprises me but my my take on it before we go to break and and talk y'all can say you agree or disagree it, it, it's just i think one i disagree on principle i can i can i can i can vibe with that i, I think the one thing that i think is not been talked about a lot with this whole thing i think is that jeremy pruitt got to tennessee and like a lot of people who have come to Tennessee in recent years or other programs as a first-time coach especially, you think because of the name brand, you think because of the history that you're going to walk in and that you are going to be a guy who's going to be able to fix this pretty quickly. You got confidence in yourself. And then you show up, and then you go through that first year. You get your ass absolutely handed to you time and time again. You realize exactly how far you have to go and exactly what your schedule looks like in the future. And you start cutting some corners pretty quickly. You start going, okay, whatever it takes, uh, I got to get this done because I'm going to get fired if I don't, and this thing is a long way from getting better. And I think that combined with being a first-time head coach and that sloppiness, I think just puts you together in a situation where you're going to fail because you're going to do things like this because you think when you get to Tennessee, I can fix this pretty quickly. They're in, they're in a good place. This is a good program. This by God, this is Tennessee. And then you get there and you go, oh my well, God. Well, I I think at the time everybody knew it was a, a ish show coming but, off the but, 0 and eight but, but SEC to that ex- four win season. But but if a coach, especially who's who's come from working with Jimbo and working with you know Rick before that and working with Saban and has won at all these places, won national championships, you're thinking like, oh, I know the sauce to fix this stuff. This isn't going to be that big of a deal. This isn't going to be that hard. And then you're uh, like, some people oh, would say God. he used the sauce that may have worked. Well, without other places, yeah, w- without um, covering the the bases. But all, all you have to do is look at real quick, West, to, to the point that Patrick made. And I, I, I think if you're a Tennessee fan, this has to infuriate you. Is and like I don't even mind to, to mention the school, especially after the report that Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel just had within the last couple of hours. Like there, there are players who are at Georgia currently who Tennessee was deep in in the weeds with. That I mean, it, there's now evidence of Tennessee doing illegal things to try and get this kid to campus, and he picked Georgia. Multiple he's picked Georgia over Tennessee, and and Mike had a story on Darnell Washington and everything Brian Niedermeyer did to try and get Darnell Washington. That that's one of them. There's a, a former five star offensive tackle yeah, that that went to Probably Georgia. Probably going to start this year, if I guess. If I'm guessing, yes. like there there are multiple players who went to Georgia and and other schools in the SEC that that are referenced in all of these findings. And I, like I don't I don't know the the balance and you know how, how you I, I don't know how you go about like hearing all of this and seeing all of this if you're the NCAA and and only slap Tennessee on the wrist or or, or this is more of a slap on the wrist. This is more of uh, your mom or your auntie or your grandma telling you to go outside and telling you to pick your switch and, and bring it back inside and then whooping your butt out. That That's more of what Tennessee got than a slap on the wrist. But like it, that that to me, if I'm a fan, that would infuriate me to, to see like we know for a fact that these players went to Georgia over Tennessee. These players essentially got Tennessee in trouble, and yet nothing is happening to those other players or, or schools. I think that's a little weird. It is, but I also well, Tennessee think... Fan, and Tennessee fans felt the same way about some of the guys that left right around that time that everything hit. I mean, they're like wondering, well, why aren't those guys punished? And, I mean, in all honesty, I was I got done working and, and saw my family for the first time uh, this afternoon, and I was talking to my wife a little bit about it. And she's like, why do these players, if they know it's wrong, why are they taking, you know, why are they taking money and stuff? I'm like, shoot, if, you know, if, if money's tight for you and, and somebody offers you a free hotel, a free trip to Knoxville to come see a football game, I mean, you're not going to turn that down. No, and, and, you know, we've always seen that the, the NCAA and, the, you know, they don't really punish players. A lot of times they're willing to give players immunity to spill the beans on what happened. So, 
Um, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot to to be said about that. I also think that some people would say that Tennessee was not in as good a place as some of those other programs were at the time. So Tennessee might have to bend more rules than others would. That's an argument people could make. I don't know if that's the truth or not, but that's something people could easily say. So there, there there's a lot of possibilities there, but it is an interesting point. It's one that Tennessee fans will be rightly furious if we don't mention. So congratulations. Was it, was it Ben who just now brought that up? It, it's a fair point to bring up. It's a good thing to bring up. And uh, as much as we hate giving kudos or kudos, as Philip Fulmer might say uh, to Mike Wilson uh, for, for writing that, we, we uh, will, we'll give New Zealand some love and say congratulations to Mike for, for, for busting that one open there. But yeah, there's a lot to discuss, but you know what that we had to talk about that. We did talk about it. Uh, I think now it's fair to talk about something that's a little bit more pleasant, and that's what Tennessee has overcome the past couple of years to put a good product on the field despite all this stuff. Uh, and then after that, uh, just sort of what is possible for the program now that some of this cloud is or all of it is lifted. So there's lots more to discuss about that. We will do that, but we're overdue for a break. we got to get to it. We're going to do that right now, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, etc. And then we'll be back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Go Boss 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from his undisclosed location somewhere unknown in the world. And uh, Ben McKee coming to you from his unnamed home studio there. Uh, not 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 as far away from here, uh, but a little bit away from here. We are talking Tennessee football, obviously. The news came from the NCAA on Friday, the butcher's bill came due. Tennessee has been uh, hit in the wallet pretty hard uh, for these uh, these problems that occurred during the uh, the NCAA investigation into improprieties. Uh, I guess we couldn't we don't even call them alleged anymore, right? I guess we can just say they're violations. Like they're or are they still alleged? I don't know. Like a, a, a rule of law hasn't no like a court has not said they were they they happened, but. Anyway, if it's in a 127-page document, it happened. Yeah, it, it poured. Uh, thank God it's digital, or all the trees that, that would have died to, to print that thing out. But I, I, I think there's a lot to discuss about that and what Tennessee's been through and and all that stuff. And we're going to do that. Just a quick reminder, though, please go and take a minute out of your day, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening to us on the website at GoVols247.com, there's no problem with that. We love you. No wrong way to consume this podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there and Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast a, a fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do it for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go rate, review, and subscribe and tell your friends. So please, please, please go do those things. Guys, I think a lot of people knew how much sort of Tennessee had already imposed on itself the past couple of years. But when you think about the fact that Josh Heupel's first season in Tennessee was played 12 scholarships below the limit, there were, what, more than 30 players in one calendar year who went into the portal. Uh, there were a lot of things that Tennessee had to overcome in order to even be remotely competitive the past two years, let alone be fun to watch in the first year. And then the second year, you know, end a couple of big losing streaks, beat Florida, beat Bama, uh, go to a New Year's Six Bowl, beat Clemson in that New Year's Six Bowl, um, and, and do that without your starting quarterback. Uh, what they have done, and moreover, what they've done 
without complaining at all, at all. Like they, I don't remember one time publicly since Heupel's been at Tennessee that he's made like a serious, like fist on the table complaint about the crap sandwich he's had to eat since he got to Tennessee with some of these numbers and some of these issues and recruiting restrictions and visit limitations. But they have not complained, and they have won at a fairly high level. I think, to me, if people aren't paying attention before, by God, they should now, Pat. Well, I, I think that's something that's been overlooked in Tennessee's rise is where they came from. I think people, you know, it, it's such a – everyone's got such a quick mem, uh, a quick memory or a short memory is what I'm trying to say um, these days that, you know, the, you forget where Tennessee was. And, and something I've been working on kind of bits and pieces over the last week is looking back at Tennessee's 2021 recruiting class. There's only four players left from that class right now. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. Um, and – that was that was Pruitt's last class, and um, you know a lot of those guys signed before Hypo. I mean, Hypo got hired in late January. They only, I think, the only players they brought in before the spring that year were Jeremiah Crawford from junior college, and then Chase McGrath. Those two guys have turned out to contribute a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they were both on the field at the end of the Alabama game um, last season, but uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the going and so going into this season they have like 30 plus seniors and 30 plus freshmen they have nine juniors and three of those guys were transfers they just added so um it, it's been a battle to get this roster to where it could compete um at, at even close to the level i mean nobody saw them winning 18 games in, in two years nobody saw them winning 11 games uh you knew they would be good on offense right away you knew they'd have good quarterback play obviously they struck cold with Hendon hooker um that was a a nice parting gift by the previous staff. Yeah, they, they did, that, they they did that one thing, that one thing. <laughs> they did that one thing. and um, But, I mean, you got to give this staff credit for developing Jalen Hyatt, for developing Cedric Tillman, for developing Darnell Wright, uh, you know, for developing Byron Young, who was another guy that got left over um, from, from the previous staff. But um, to, to your point about complaints, I, I feel like I have heard Heupel point out that they were in the mid-60s in the scholarship numbers in his first season. I feel like I've heard that more this offseason. I don't think that's a complaint, but it is It is a little butchian to kind of be like, uh, it's not a quite as butchian as, oh, we've had, you know, 85% of our roster has never been on a plane. Maybe the way he delivered it just made state. it, maybe the way he delivered it made it seem like less of a complaint. Cause I just, to me, it never registered as a, oh, he's just fishing for, for something. Right, right, right. And it, I don't, like I said, I like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's fair to say that is a quote unquote complaint, but it is something that, that has been brought up more and more. But, I think that just highlights that people kind of forgot what what he inherited, which was a disaster. I mean, I think I've said this before, but Tennessee's had some rock bottom points. I don't know if it gets much lower than where he where it was when this program took where yeah. where this program was when Heupel took over. So, um, yeah, I mean, just uh, they, you know, and I think they've had what two home games they didn't have recruits at. I mean, there's a lot of things that you don't see, but. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that, that people saw in relation to this was that they just had low numbers. And this is the first year they're close to 85. They obviously won't be now. They might not have been anyway, but, um, you know, they're finally going to have a full roster. Um, they'll have a full roster from now on. Um, they, they, there's still some recruiting things that they're going to have to manage and limits on visits and things like that, but you can spread that over out over five years. Um, it's a little bit different if you were having to do it in a shorter time frame. So, um, but I, I think the biggest impact on, on this resolution and Tennessee has been wanting to get to this resolution as quick as possible. I think the, the overarching thing, whenever I asked anybody about this was they just want to get it over with. Um, and it's, it's because of recruiting Ben's touched on it, the dark cloud. It's, it's maybe something that Tennessee hasn't had to answer for as much as they've had some success on the field, but certainly, you know, they definitely had coaches from other programs saying they're going to get a big bolt, you know, multi-year bowl ban. Why would you go there? Just enough to cast out on, on some players uh, in, in, in their minds and their families' minds to maybe want to stay away from that situation, just don't want to deal with it at all. Now they don't have that. That's something that uh, if there were any lingering questions about it, um, they can now sufficiently answer those and say, it's done, it's over, we've moved, you know, we've moved on. So, um you know, I think the biggest parts of this are really behind Tennessee, and that's that's the that's why it's a positive. Uh, I know people are going to say eight million is a lot of money, but the people complain about it, it's not their money, so what does it matter? So, um, but that this is as we've touched on, it's it's a big step for Tennessee to just get this behind them, and now it's everything forward. You don't have to worry about anything that happened with with the previous staff. 
Um, you can take some of their players that they left you and continue to try to win at a high level. But uh, that's pretty much that. That's about it. And, and Tennessee can move forward with sort of a, a clean bill of health, if you will, in terms of uh, trying to get this program and keeping it, showing some staying power and continuing to to compete at the top end of the SEC and, and try to get in the expanded playoff and things like that. This looks like a pretty easy transition over here to Ben because he mentioned this a little bit in the first segment. Um, but I think it's something we've all heard. You, you've probably heard it more, more than certainly I have, maybe more than than, than either I or Pat have, have heard. But the fact that, that people can no longer recruit against Tennessee specifically by saying those guys are going to get a postseason ban, you can't go there and compete for a championship because once the NCAA has their say in it, Tennessee's not going to be competing for championships because it's not going to be possible. That is gone. Like, that can no longer happen. So now they're going to have to go back to the old, like, you know, Hypo's offense isn't an NFL thing. It's weird. They're going to change the rules. The NCAA doesn't like the way they're playing. Yada. So you're going to get back to all that stuff. Like, you're not going to get NFL ready. They're going to move the hash marks, you know, yada, yada. But that's standard stuff. That's standard fare. The whole, like, Tennessee having to go against six or seven people who every single one of them are saying different things to a player, but one thing they're all saying to the player is Tennessee's going to be in trouble, don't go there. So they they may be saying, hey, come here, and some others are saying go there, but what all of them or most of them are saying is, by the way, Tennessee's not going to be in the postseason. Like, that's huge getting that out of the way. It absolutely is, and and I touched on it uh, during the first segment. Th- that was absolutely a, a thing that Tennessee had to deal with. I, I again, I, I had recruits tell me that they really liked Tennessee. They they really liked Josh Heupel. They they liked the position coach of of the position that they played and and were being recruited by. Uh, they liked the culture. They liked Knoxville. They liked Neyland Stadium. They liked game day atmospheres. They they liked all these things. But they just couldn't quite pull the trigger on Tennessee because all of these other SEC schools and other schools outside of the SEC as well. But uh, for those who follow recruiting, for the most part, uh, Tennessee is running up against schools that are within the conference, within their own division. Uh, And and those are the schools uh, opposing head coaches, uh, opposing position coaches. Uh, Those are the coaches that have been hammering home that, hey, Tennessee's going to get hit with with a three-year postseason ban, uh, a four-year postseason ban. You you go to Tennessee, you'll never play in a bowl game. You'll never play for an SEC championship game. You, you'll never play in a college football game or, or play for a national championship. That That's what these kids were hearing. Yeah. And you heard Josh Heupel talk about it uh, on radio today on the Paul Feinbaum show. Peter Burns was, was filling in and, and kind of – asked Josh Heupel uh, what was the most difficult part of, of the last two and a half years or so. And uh, he mentioned the the recruiting aspect and, and the fact that himself and, and all of the assistant coaches had to combat that, that recruits were hearing that they were going to, to not be able to compete for championships. And, and that's the biggest thing now moving forward is, is that Josh Heupel and, and the coaches on the recruiting trail uh, can sell to these recruits that hey we are going to compete for championships you're you're seeing what we do on the field and now we don't have this NCAA investigation hanging over our head uh, there, there is now proof in the pudding uh, and, and the word is out all of the details are out like hey you, you can come to Tennessee we've avoided a postseason ban uh, and and we are going to go compete for championships so that that to me is just as big and I guess technically it's a correlation but uh the, the the getting out of the dark cloud is is just as big as uh, avoiding the the postseason ban. And again, I, I know that those two things go hand in hand, uh, but that that's just huge. Uh, and uh, I, I do think Wes, my my final thought on that topic is, is that 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 is something they more so had to deal with when they first got to Tennessee. Kind of that initial uh, recruiting class, I, I guess the the twenty twenty one class, or maybe it was twenty twenty two, but. Uh, those first two recruiting classes, 22 and 23, those were more of the classes, especially that initial one in 22. That that class was the one that they really had to deal with all the the outside noise of of people negatively recruiting them. Uh, and th- there have been more details that, that have been out, and, and they've been able to share more privately to recruits the, this last cycle or so uh, in the current cycle. 
Um, so that they've kind of turned the page as is, but they they were still having to answer those questions on the recruiting trail. And, and now that they don't anymore, I mean, you, you've already seen what they've been able to do even when the, with the dark cloud hanging over them um, in a, in a massive way or, or even in a minor way. And as I mentioned earlier, it, it's got to excite you as a Tennessee fan to think what they're going to do now that it's not hanging over them at all. Yeah. Well, my, my point was that imagine that a player has a final five, of, and I'm just going to throw schools out here that Tennessee competes a lot with in the recruiting, right? I'm going to say, you know, ten, this kid's down to like Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, or whatever. And, 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 and all the other four schools, you got one coach saying, hey, you know, you should come to Alabama. Another saying, hey, you should come to Auburn. Another saying, hey, you should come to Georgia. Another saying, hey, you should come to Florida. But what all four of them are saying is, by the way, um, you know, best of luck, whatever you do decide, but like, you know, Tennessee, you're not going to be able to compete for any, you know, they're going to get in trouble with the NCAA, right? If all four of them are saying that at the same time, so a, a player's got a million things going through his mind and he's got to say, okay, well, if I'm making a pros and cons list here, um, the good news is like, I like this thing about Tennessee. The bad news is literally everyone else who can't agree on anything agrees on if I go to Tennessee, they're going to get in NCAA trouble. So it's like, it's pretty easy at that point to knock Tennessee off your list. Like it is, it's pretty easy to do that. If you're a prospect, I think people sometimes forget how simple that is. Like if, if all those people are saying one thing uh, and it's the one thing they're agreeing on and it's that, well, that's pretty easy thing to knock off your list. So I, I just, to me, I think that's, that's a really big deal, but Pat, I guess I'll end it here on this, unless y'all got something else to say. I I just, I, I can't, believe that like people who have actually read this this thing and understand this believe that Tennessee kind of took one on the chin here like there was no way Tennessee was getting out of this bloodlessly there was no way that was ever going to happen on no planet was that ever going to happen so I think at the end of it am I going to say that like Tennessee's administration handled this absolutely perfectly no I can't say that because I don't know that none of us know that but I think it's pretty straightforward here to look at it and go, they, they did more right than wrong on this one. It just looks like they did. It looks like as bad as this could have been, it ain't that. Yeah, that's, that's the bottom line. And Tennessee said as much in their statements. I mean, um, you know, they, they, Chancellor Plowman said that their priority um, was to avoid punishment for players and coaches that weren't involved. And now, uh, technically, the coaches are getting "quote unquote" punished because they're going to have some limitations they're going to have to deal with in terms of visits and things like that. But uh, in terms of uh, of what Josh Heupel laid out when he was introduced, he said he talked about chasing championships from the first day. Um, and I'm sure I'm cynical at times, and I'm sure a lot of people out there were, were like, "This program's a long, long way away from doing that." It's two years, and so you know. I, and going back to Heupel and, and you know, sort of contrast him to what some, what's been said about Pruitt. Every time I see and hear the guy talk, it's like, does he ever have a bad day? He hides I, I it mean, well we if see, he does. Right. I mean, he's he's competitive. He's got some fiery competitiveness that uh, we have seen come out of you know here and there. But like, you know, we you remember Pruitt grabbing Jaron Garrett-Tanner by the face mask and doing some of this some of this stuff on the sideline, like this really intense stuff and. Apple always seems like he's just really chill on the sideline. So, um, you know, he, he, going back to his first, you know, everything, every time he's been asked about this over the past two and a half years, he said, I go back to what I said, it's going to be a speed bump. It's going to be a minor thing. It hasn't really proven to be much more than a speed bump, right? At this point. I mean, yeah. maybe they've missed on some guys, you know, in recruit, you know, in recruiting that maybe you put them over the top, uh, you know, last season, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's something that they've, are, we're going to be passed now. And so everything's looking forward for this program. And uh, I think that's why today, uh, while maybe it wasn't perfect, I'm sure Tennessee would have liked some, uh, maybe a few or less, you know, scholarship reductions, maybe a few or less visits and evaluation days and all that kind of stuff taken away. Maybe they would like to, it have been 6 million instead of eight, whatever. Um, the fact that they got out of this with no bull ban and now uh, the overarching thing is that it's over, it's behind them. Um, I, I think that makes this, uh, an important day for this football program and, and one hour where they can 
really look forward and, and try to try to keep the momentum going and, and keep it rolling. Yeah, like Ice Cube didn't say it was a great day. He he just said it was a good day, right? Like it was a good day. He didn't day. have to use the AK. Yeah, it, it was it was a pretty good day. Like it could have been a hell of a lot worse of a day. Um Ben, ben just smirked at me like he's the biggest idiot for saying that. You were smirking at me earlier too. I heard I heard you smirking at me earlier. I saw it. I saw it. Your little side text. I saw it. I see side it. Side text. Yeah. I oh, think he, he, I think he, when I said the word vibe earlier, y'all side texted about it. That's my conspiracy theory. No, I side theory. texted Ben asking what he's drinking. <laughs> well, it's 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 Coca Cola. No, it's it's not Coca Cola. Yeah, because they don't they they don't they don't give a dime you to this podcast that I'm aware of. Maybe lay off the lay off the adult beverages for a day yeah, at this, least. Jeez. This, this is true, and, and I I I have not had a, a day without an alcoholic beverage in like a week and a half. I I may be becoming an alcoholic. I I really might be. Um, uh, the, in, in my defense, Friday never Saturday, surrender, never surrender. And I, I'll get back on track on 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 Sunday. Sunday is my my no drink day. Sunday through uh, Thursday are my no drink days. So yeah, I'll, I'll Sunday, Sunday, track. Sundays for keeping the peace, right? I'll, I'll quote our, yes. our former coworker Grant Ramey. Sundays for keeping the peace, fellas. Yes. Yeah, so it is. He well, did. He. We, we, I know you like to think that everybody's talking about you, Wes. And no, that was my. Like that was my. I said it, all about you. I said it was it, a conspiracy theory because it, it, the timing it, of it. The timing of it was a little suspicious. Nobody cares about your conspiracy theory. Stick to sports, okay? We, we weren't side texting about you. He he was asking me what I was drinking because uh, he pays more attention to everybody else than himself, unlike you. He, he saw me take a sip of a drink, and he texted me uh, and asked me what I was drinking. At first, I thought it was a Michelob Ultra. It is not, for the record. Yeah, no, you, can only, you can only drink margarita. that. If, you can only drink that if they're paying you for your podcast, or if you're actually cycling while you're drinking it. Those are the only two. That, that if Nick Ultra times. wants to pay for our podcast, send me a six. Send me a six pack. Yeah, I'll, I'll do or, a keg. I'll do a keg stand if you want to give us money, guys. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So, or if uh, Cayman Jack, who uh, is now the unofficial sponsor of this particular podcast, because that's what I've been drinking, uh, a canned watermelon margarita has been delicious. I've drank uh, two in, in in the course of this podcast. If if anybody. Would like to, to sponsor us came and well, we, we better we better cut this it. podcast off then if you've had two yeah no i, I think that 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 after trying to emasculate right, me ben tried to emasculate me and then admitted to drinking watermelon margaritas i think on that note i think <laughs> I, on that note we can get out of here i think i think that's ending it at a draw oh no right give a dad gum <laughs> well <laughs> Ben made a good point. He trashed Ryan Callahan, which we should have been doing most of the time because he's not here to defend himself. Yeah, yeah calling me a lightweight. Who do you think I am, Ryan Callahan? Yeah, sit and spin, Ryan. You suck. You're the worst. On that note, I think we can all get the out The Cardinals of here. are terrible at baseball. Yeah, and life. And life. Y'all have a good night. Be good, guys. See you, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more 
uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.